Welcome to the Discover Virginia Beach podcast. I'm joined today with a super special guest, uh, Debbie Burke. Now, for those of you who don't know Debbie, I actually connected her through our Discover Virginia Beach Facebook group. She is an award-winning author of nine books, including the jazz novels, Death by Saxophone, and Icarus Flies Home, and Glissando, A Story of Love, Lust, and Jazz, and tons of nonfiction interviews, videos, and we were able to borrow some of her time. Debbie, thank you for being here today for the podcast. It's amazing to be here, Joe. Thanks for inviting me on your podcast. Wonderful. So Debbie, I understand just a little bit of bio for for those of you who don't know Debbie. So Debbie, you are a former news writer, columnist, and business journal editor, correct? And then you turned into writing your own novels and published some of your own works. And now you're doing the self-publishing journey through Queen Esther Publishing, LLC, correct? That's right. Um, I, I started out with a, I have an interesting journey in publishing, um, starting having started Vanity Press, which is kind of a dirty word, which means you're paying pay for play. And um, that's that was just to get my first book out. And it was it was well worth it when you when you when an author who's brand new sees their book out for the first time and holds it for the first time. It's one of the great thrills of life, I have to say. Um, and um, so through the years, you know, I've been traditionally published after that. And I just decided to teach it to myself to self-publish um, in order to have all the creative control over everything from my title to my cover art to, you know, what's what's in between the covers, uh, my story. So yeah. Um, that's, yeah. Yep. Wonderful. Well, before we get into the business section of, of your life and, and where people can go to find more about you, I kind of want to take a step back here because this group, Discover Virginia Beach, is, is blowing up on Facebook and now we have the podcast. And so, you know, want to kind of catch everybody up to speed here. So the folks here that we that we talk to, we want to get as much of a spotlight on the Virginia Beach area as yeah. we in. And it's such a big area. I and mean, it's actually, most people don't know this. It's a community of over seven different cities, 1 million different people who live in this collective area known as Hampton Roads, the Tidewater region. I know mm-hmm. when you fly into Norfolk International Airport, they're like, welcome to Norfolk, you know, and they, they don't even know how to pronounce the name because there's so many different variations <laughs> of this community. So super excited to kind of maybe uh, take a snapshot with us, Debbie, how did you how did you end up in Hampton Roads, Virginia? What attracted you to the Virginia Beach area? And and uh, you know, what's what's going on with that? What what brought you to the area? Yeah, well, great question. Um, I don't know if you could tell from talking to me, but um, I'm a Brooklyn girl. I uh, was raised and lived in Brooklyn for my first uh, 20 some odd years. And uh, my husband and I have traveled and and lived throughout the East Coast. Um, He's not military, but we've just done a bunch of moving, mostly the Northeast. And there came a time when we wanted to get out of the Northeast cold and winters and um, interstate closures and all that kind of stuff. So we actually went all the way down to Alabama. Yes, Alabama which was uh, quite different culturally, but beautiful, wonderful. I, I, you know, we were there for over two years. I had a great job, great friends, and um, too hot there. So we decided to split the difference. And we'd been to Virginia Beach before. In fact, I was here um, when my um, first child was uh, like one and a half, and 
have pictures and um, right on the boardwalk. And I'm like, wow, I really love that place. And we looked into it and, um, you know, he, he got a job around here and we just decided to make the move. So we, we're not too far from, you know, shuttling up to, to the Northeast for my family. He's got family in Charleston. It's just very centrally located. And I think our, our core requirement was to be somewhere that we could get to the ocean. Having grown up by Coney Island, Manhattan Beach, you know, uh, Jones Beach and all that kind of stuff and just love the ocean town vibe. So we're here to stay. Definitely. Wonderful. Yeah. And I know Virginia Beach is, is so interestingly positioned because you have this same story. I, I talk with people who are either relocating or retiring or just mm-hmm. visiting this area, just trying to figure it out. And I'm like, you, you, you are literally in the middle of the East Coast. I mean, if you got yeah. family up north, I hear I hear a lot of people from upstate New York area. It's just cold. It's it's not the weather conditions they want. But then if they go too far down south to like Atlanta, Georgia, Florida area, it's too hot. It's muggy. And there's and there's way too many alligators. Let's face it. There's no alligators here. We got nice dolphins. Yeah. So it's a great, yeah. great middle. <laughs> That's exactly right. I love seeing the dolphin. When, when we first started walking on the boardwalk, uh, we would go early mornings and, oh my God, you know, you don't see dolphins in Brooklyn, you know? So it's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, and, and that's, I appreciate you sharing that, Debbie. And that's what a lot of people are looking to discover about the Virginia Beach area is just to really figure out what it all has to offer. So I have a really fun question, an icebreaker question. Uh, Debbie, we've talked several times, but I want to kind of pose this to the audience as well, because it's super fun to kind of like figure out what type of community aspects you're looking for. So enlighten me here, uh, entertain me here, Debbie. I'm going to ask you a fun little question. So Picture yourself as the mayor of a fantastical town, right? Mm-hmm. How would you encourage the community engagement and create a magical atmosphere where everyone feels connected and eager to participate? And I'll just preface this with looking at it from the lens of Virginia Beach as well, because it is a magical place. It is just by itself, just by being what it is. I think my my focus has always been on the arts in bringing people together. And there is a huge arts vibe, which is, which was a, a big magnet for us to be here, quite honestly. So, and I mean, everything from, you know, uh, to, um, art shows to um, indie artists, to the, the mural, you know, the whole vibe district and, um, you know, all, all the, all the pockets of artists and collection, uh, you know, collectives throughout the seven you know, cities, including Norfolk as well. So I'd say um, arts definitely bring people together and, and they're not just to look at as if in a museum piece, but they're very interactive. Even some of our museums, you know, they'll have um, you know, community events and uh, glass blowing demonstrations and all the kind of things that you, know, you want to do kind of hands-on. No, absolutely, Debbie. Yeah, you touched on some great things. And just a friendly reminder, if you haven't checked out the Vibe Creative District, that's V-I-B-E Creative District, on their website, they have a free map that actually, and Debbie, you probably know about this, it highlights all of the free murals that you Mm -hmm. can go and visit. And they also do guided tours during the summer. So if you're planning a vacation in the area and you want to check out that art scene and check out some murals, 
that's a free resource for you. It's just on Google uh, or check the show notes down in the description below. And I'll post that in there for you guys. So Debbie, I know you touched on the arts and I am really, really interested to get into this more because you've been featured on radio stations and other podcasts about health and wellness and the importance of music. So tell me a little bit more about your, your musical career. And I'm, I'm losing track here. So let me make sure I'm looking at my notes here to make sure I cover all the wonderful stuff you have. So I would love for you to kind of give us a snapshot about your introduction to music and then how it's kind of played a role in, in, in your personal life. Yeah, that's a great question. And I've made it my kind of life's purpose to to immerse myself in it, to be participating in it and to write about it. So, um, you know, in the New York City school system, you start out with some um, now, I don't know what kind of music programming they have now in curriculums, but coming up as a, you know, as a kid, um, you know, you you learned some of the basic instruments you learned, you know, tonette and recorder. I did clarinet. I did tuba for a little while and uh, found that was too big to, to handle. And I didn't have the home for sure. Tuba is a pretty intimidating uh, instrument right there. How much, how much does a tuba weigh? Is that like 50 pounds? Um, it feels like it. And when you're, you know, when you're 12 and trying to handle it, you know, it's, it's a little difficult. They, they realized that was not a good match for me. <laughs> you have to sign um, up for the bodybuilding class and then, and then also play the tuba simultaneously, right? You can't right. You do both, right? You could do that. You could try. Then I got into violin and I stayed with that for quite a few years. And I actually became first chair of the second violin section in high, in Midwood High School, which to me, is, it's bragging rights. So I'm very happy. That's um, a big deal. I mean, for those of yeah. uh, don't don't undersell yourself, Debbie, for those of you who aren't familiar with the musical aspect, first chair means you went and competed against what is it schools in your region, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Schools in your area. And that's that's probably what five to 20,000 kid range, you know, depending on who's in band and stuff. So first chair means that Debbie was able to outrank not only those at her school, but also those in the other regions. So I don't know why I'm explaining chairs, but it's definitely being a, a fourth chair choir tenor boy, uh, you know, it, it's bragging rights. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. In my early 20s, I went through a difficult relationship. And um, when I came out the other side of it, I decided that I was going to do something I've always wanted to do as a treat to myself, which is learn saxophone. So what I did was I went to, um, at the time was the 80s, I went to um, New York City, Manny's, which is no longer there, Manny's uh, Instruments. And I bought uh, the, the cheapest sax that I could afford and started lessons at the New School for Social Research. It's now called the New School. And it's very, much expanded its curriculum, but I took private lessons there and just loved it. So I had the sax and then I met my husband and then raised kids and the sax was, you know, under the stairs and the case and just forgotten about. And my son was um, just learning to play trombone in grade school. And he said, why don't you take out your saxophone and, you know, play it? And so, you know, you should, you should play it. So um, we were in Northeast PA at the time, and I um, looked around and I found there was a community band. Now we have a Tidewater community, you know, winds, I think it's called. And so you can, you know, you can play. And even if you're, you don't have to be professional, if you're a community member, and sometimes there's a musician. So what I did was um, I just joined the band up in Northeast PA. It was associated with East Stroudsburg University. And I started playing, you know, sax with them and did that for eight years. And that was so much fun. I mean, just the community of people, like-minded people who love music like I did. And that 
creatively led to me writing my first book because the more I learned about jazz, I found out that there were a couple of very famous people living in that area, which was called uh, Delaware Water Gap. So if you've heard of Phil Woods, who's no longer with us, I think he passed in 2015. He did that sax break in Just the Way You Are by Billy Joel. And, you know, that's that's on the pop side, but he's very accomplished. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So he lived there as, as some others in the jazz scene. And I just decided I wanted to find out if there was a book about. And come to find out, and a lot of authors are going to tell you this, that the original inspiration for a book is to write something because they found that there was no book written on it. And that's just what happened with me. I was looking for a book. Nobody had written it. And I said, well, why not? So I did. So that was the start. That was uh, my first you book. Had, and, you um, had writing experience at that point, right? Yeah. You had the yeah. columnist and, and the journal editing. But I, yeah. I want to like bring this around full circle with you. So so Debbie, you had your, your son had yeah. started in band. You hadn't touched a saxophone in how many years before he had Let's met? See. And from age 27 to, I don't know, maybe it was um, a good 10, 11 years. So, so and, 10 years you hadn't touched it. I hadn't touched it. You know, my embouchure was, was, was shot. I, you know, my posture was, you know, horrific and, you know, but I was just like, yeah, you know, I paid for this thing. I mean, I think musical instruments are actually beautiful objects and I, you know, you, you fall in love with your instruments, I think. Like it's own art piece, right? You'd say. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, you know, it was a good point. Why, why is it in a closet? So, um, yeah, that just, that just inspired me to start using it. Wow. Wow. That's, and it's so, it's such a testament to like, just how like evasive things can be as, as time progresses, right? Because you, you hadn't thought about it. And then we have these people, you know, enter in our lives here and you're, you're probably in a different stage of life too, from where, from when you bur- first, uh, you know, purchased that saxophone. And I just, you know, I, I think a lot of people in this group, like, are, are in that same position, maybe not with a saxophone mm. under the stairs, but maybe they're in a position in life where they're like, there's that thing under your staircase that you haven't touched or thought right, about. Right, and, right, right. And, and you're maybe you're looking for some inspiration, some insight, or maybe, you know, from the mouth of the babes, so to speak, to say, hey, yeah. why don't you pick up that saxophone, try again. So I, I, I love that little moment there, Debbie, when you were just like, yeah. Why, why don't I have this? It's beautiful. Like, wh- why wouldn't I want to do this? And so picking it up, and I'm sure that was a tough eight years of of playing and, and relearning and figuring yes. out posture, but like on the, on the output of it, it actually led you to where you are now for like writing the book and, and things of that nature. Yeah. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves with the business, but I just wanted to pause in that moment because that was really, that's something really cool. I think we kind of miss out on life in general. It's like, you know, there there are moments where it's okay to pause and put stuff under the staircase, but regardless of what season and stage or age in life, you know, it's, you can pick those things up again. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I mean, you got to figure I was, I was um, 51 when I wrote my first book. So, and I was in my late forties when I joined the band. So, you know, there it's, it's never too late. And even if you put things off, you know, life circumstances, having kids, raising a family, you know, having to work two jobs or whatever, 
um, there is time, you know, bookmark it in your, in your head to come back to it. Because if you have something you love to do, I mean, that's what life is all about, you know? Yeah. And indeed there are so many bookmarks here in the Virginia beach area where people can pick up on start new adventures or continue adventures alike. So Debbie, I want to dive into the, the other role music played, and that is going to be not just for your personal life, but also for your business life as well. Because I know there's a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs in our group and people who are owning a business or starting a business, mm-hmm. trying to navigate through that. So Debbie, would you mind shedding some light uh, for us on how music inspired your business life? Yeah, sure. Well, music inspired my um, author's journey. And that turned into my my business model because um, as a writer, you know, you want to make your book the best it could be. And um, I've always written and or been an editor, you know, news writer, like you said, all that kind of stuff. And um, I thought, what would it be like to, instead of editing newspaper articles and things like that, you know, what if I helped other authors make their dream come true? So when we moved here about three years ago now, and don't forget, it was still, you know, pandemic lockdown and people were just starting to get out. Strangely enough, there was a spike in something that I could never have projected or anticipated. And that is that people who were home under lockdown weren't twiddling their thumbs. They instead, a lot of them got busy doing those things with the instrument under the, you know, in the closet, those kind of things that they pulled out and revisited, including writing their book that they've always wanted to write. And um, so I run um, Queen Esther Publishing, and that is editorial services, author coaching, and so on. The spike in people who have always wanted to write and decided to write just then during lockdown was just incredible. And I was just through Facebook groups and other uh, LinkedIn And also locally, I got introduced to people who either were in the middle of writing their book or just had finished and needed to know how to produce it and self-publish, how to to get this out there. Sure. So that became my my idea for, you know, my business model was to help people make their book dreams come true. Wow. That's and that's so incredible, too, because like, you know, we think back to pandemic times, which regardless of your outward feelings towards it, it was, it was a pause. It was a pause moment for, for the world really to kind of like in in a lot of ways assess where we are lives and our jobs uh, and and things like that. So that's really cool. That really cool is an understatement. It's very impressive how you utilized that time to leverage your skill set in not only writing, but also your passion for music. So very impressed by that. Um, And also too, it's just like, Really cool to, to because I the first time I heard jazz, I was hanging out with my cousin, like who's 20 years older than me. So I believe mid jazz is, is a lot of ways a, a generational thing that has yet to be passed on to the next generation. Jazz gets a bad rap. That's what I'm getting at here. So mm. Debbie, I'd love to know from you I have a very specific question for you. Uh, jazz has, has a, such a rich history and it, it has evolved over the years. I want to ask you what aspects of jazz's evolution do you find most intriguing or exciting? And this is for those of you who, you know, for those of you who understand jazz, you appreciate it. For those of you who are like, eh, why are you talking about jazz? What does this have to do about? Debbie, let us know what's intriguing and exciting about the evolution of jazz throughout the years. Well, really what to me defines jazz is the improvisatory aspect of it. Meaning, yeah, somebody has written a song 
and you play along to the song and you either have sheet music or you've committed it to memory. And whether you play solo or in an informal group or sing in church or whatever, someone has written that music. Well, in jazz, I think the most exciting evolution is how prominent a place improvisation has in that role. And that is improv meaning you go off and do your solo and you're not sticking to the actual, just the straight melody of of the music. You're riffing off that. And every single performance or every single time you play that or sing that, it's, it's slightly different. That's what I love about it. It's organic, it's living, it's reactive to the audience that is playing to, as well as the feelings that are coming out of the instrumentalist or the vocalist. And yeah. um, that's that's how I think people have to look at jazz, not just, oh, I don't know enough about it, or it's too, you know, oh, it's snobby or whatever. It's just a great, it's just a bunch of great rhythms, great melodies, and off on his own and just riffing off and just getting into into like flow with it. And that's what I think is so um, wonderful and life affirming about jazz. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I mean, you, you couldn't have said it better yourself, Debbie. I mean, it's that rhythm and flow of, you know, that those different stages of life and the impromptu, Nate, impromptu is, I'm not even sure if that's a word, the, mo- the more impromptu it can be, it just kind of allows yeah. it to expand and evolve, which is just one of the beautiful things about music in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you mind telling us, Debbie, of a time you um, felt an experience or describe an experience about how jazz might have inspired you or kind of led you down uh, a pathway of either, you know, a a deep thought or inspiration or or something along those lines? Um, Well, jazz definitely, uh, you know, imparts a mood. And um, because there are so many things going on, um, sometimes with jazz, you kind of pick out what you like to follow, but each time you listen, it could be new. So I think for me, you know, what really inspires me about it is to hear um, the individual expression of it. And also, they're not just like car horns honking. They are, there's, there's a reason for it. And there's a reason for the ensemble being together. And I think each time I hear it, especially live, um, live, there's no comparison between, you know, live music and, you know, just hearing a CD, which could be re- very well produced. Right. But live music has that extra element of, you know what, today it's it's a gloomy day and the, the musicians are going to play accordingly, or maybe it's beautiful and sunny and they're going to play differently. So I think that's you're what- in You're in it with the musician at that you're moment. You're in it with them. Yeah, it's it's participatory in that way because they're not playing to in a studio and recording it. They're playing to live people who are receiving in, in, with it in their own way. Yeah. Wow. It's such a unique genre in the sense of just how fluid it is, yet it's very, you know, it's it's music, right? So there's the notes, there's the melodies, there's the patterns you follow, but just mm-hmm. how freehand it can be. I, I think of it like, if I'm thinking of text and writing, very simple example here, you know, you have your text writing, which is like your piano keys, you know, mm. your C and your G chord and whatnot. And then you have, you know, your jazz, which is kind of like that cursive writing, that extra font that adds those loops and those yeah. kind of bring the music together. That's so beautiful way to say it, Joe. I like that. Yeah. I mean, mean, that's, that's just how I, that's just how I look at it. And it's just really cool uh, to see how jazz has played a part in your life and also in your business. And um, I see we're coming up on our time here, Debbie. So I want to give you 
uh, the floor here. And I want to see if you have any recommendations. And, and so we typically end the podcast each show by asking somebody in their field what exactly people can go and experience or discover more about the certain topic. So for you, Debbie, because you are ingrained in the jazz culture here in Virginia Beach area and the live music, what are maybe some of your top recommendations for places to go here and see live jazz or just live music in general where jazz might be present? Yeah, well, I can only tell you um, kind of the tip of the iceberg things because um, there's just so much the seven cities has Perfect, so because much. next thing is where people can learn to more uh, find more about you. So we'll start with that. And then if people want to learn more about you or have you back on the show, on the podcast, we'll definitely uh, let us know in the comments below. Oh, great. So, I mean, I've been to the Sandler Center for the Arts, the Attics Theater, which is just a beautiful venue, the Norfolk Waterfront Jazz Festival, which is coming up uh, in August. And those are some of the ones I've been to and just just love it. Some of the ones I have yet to explore are clubs like, you know, Gershwin's, Chrysler Hall, Harrison Opera House, the Wells Theater. And just, I mean, I'm on so many Facebook groups of local, you know, music that I would go broke if I went to everything that I really wanted to. But never, there's no lack of culture in this area. That's another one of the big selling reasons for me. There's always something to, to see and to listen to. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Debbie, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. As we kind of wrap up our conversation here today, I would love to encourage people to go and explore your pages, explore what you have going on. So Debbie, where's the best place people can go to reach out to you to find out about your books and find out about everything that you got going on jazz and otherwise? Well, that's great. Thanks for asking, Joe. Um, It's DebbieBurkeAuthor.com. So D-E-B-B-I-E-B-U-R-K-E author.com. There is another Debbie Burke author who go who has a different website. And she and I do not both write about jazz. Um, she's wonderful. And we became friends because Okay, of I was about name. to say if you have a, if you have an online enemy here, Debbie, we, we can definitely make some more content. But if she's cool, you know, no, she's not very cool. Distinguish between she's the wonderful. two. Yeah. Um, and and my book link is over there. Um, if you go on Amazon at, uh, Amazon Books and just look up Debbie Burke Jazz, I have nine books out. I'm working. I have another work in progress and then a novel for 2024. Um, or you can just email me, debcolum at gmail.com. Wonderful. Well, Debbie, thanks for sharing that. And I see here my Zoom reminder is here. Your free meeting will end soon. Okay. So with that said, Debbie, I understand uh, prior to this call, you were super excited to chat with our audience here at the Discover Virginia Beach Facebook group and those people looking to discover Virginia Beach. And you were very generous to offer a uh, a promotion for a copy of your book. Does that yes. still stand for the summer of 2023? Just wanted to- Absolutely. I have three novels out and Joe, you and I will discuss which one you think is best or all three. Perfect. Just sign them and give them away. What I'll do, I'd love to give out a signed copy of the book. uh, And this will be published summer of 2023. So go ahead and like and comment on this video if you're watching the video format summer 2023. 
And you must be subscribed to the Discover Virginia Beach Facebook group. And be sure to go over and follow Debbie as well on her social channels. If you don't know where they are, check the link in the show notes or the description below. And you will be a, uh, you will be instantly entered for that raffle giveaway this summer, 2023. Yay. And um, if you want to hear more from Debbie, go follow her on the channel and let us know in the comments. Show her some love. Let us know if you'd like to have her back. And we'd love to continue this conversation uh, for you all in another great piece of content. Debbie, thank you so much. Joe, thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely.